trying to kind of give, you know, steady advice to anyone how to kind of make it in the industry. It, it all comes back to the art. It's the largest network of CPAs in the world, available on demand, even larger than triple taxes. The concept is it's a grab and go yoga or workout mat. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm Richard Gearhart. And I'm Elizabeth Gearhart. Welcome to Passage to Profit, the show all about entrepreneurs, small businesses, and the intellectual property that helps them flourish. And tonight we have a very special guest, Olga Sars, who's the founder of Soundtrack Your Brand and was previously the co-founder of Beats Music, which was ultimately acquired by Apple Music, and he's responsible for that. I can hardly wait to interview him. And we have people presenting their companies. I'm not going to go into too much detail right now because you want to hear it from them, but you do want to hear about these. So we have Tax File with Ricky Lavinia and we have Yogi Fitness Mat with Joanne Roos. And I can tell you all these things are new and different and improvements on what has existed before. So I already feel like tuned. I'm saving money on my taxes and getting into better shape. Even yeah, before fitness we is good. We're taping this in January, <laughs> but even in February, we hope we're still keeping to our resolutions. So. So our first intellectual property piece tonight, we're going to start off with Patent Palooza. Elizabeth found this patent. So why well, don't you I, describe the patent for us? It's actually a chemical patent and it has a lot of data in it and data from gas chromatographs, etc. But anyway, I like to drink wine and I like wine from grapes. Now, my tastes are a little bit different from some other people's because there are people that like to drink alcohol that is made from animals instead of grapes. And I thought that was really wacky and really gross. And um, the patent is actually on a method to make alcohol using what they call animal extracts, which sounds nasty. But the problem had been that, as you can imagine, bacteria builds up quite quickly and you can't really ferment this stuff because it goes bad. So you're talking about instead of plant material, you're using animal material to make alcoholic drinks? Yeah, isn't that gross? Yeah, so the patent was originally filed in Japan, and it's since been filed in the United States. So apparently they think there's a market for this stuff here. And when I saw the patent this morning, I was looking at it. And I'm like, well, does, is anybody actually selling any alcohol made out of meat products? And isn't this sort of not a thing anyway? I mean, there's a lot of animal lovers out there. So I'm just kind of wondering how they'd react to this. It turns out that, in fact, meat has been used in quite a number of drinks around the world. And I found this article in the independent newspaper that was published a couple of years ago. The and I begged him not to read it. Yes. If you have children at home, and this is normally a family show, but if you have children at home, you might want to exercise some parental discretion. It's not that bad, but it is gross. There are some things here that I personally had not heard of before. And also, I was prohibited from going going over the whole list yes. by Elizabeth. I mean, people do weird things with animal body parts. <laughs> I'm sorry. So the first one, though, is saliva beer from Peru. And it's made by uh, human beings chewing corn and then spitting the chewed corn into the formation vat to make beer. So that's item number one. Now, that's not too bad, is it? I mean... Well, it, I hope alcohol kills all those germs, but... <laughs> You can't imagine. And these are some of the like more moderate ones. So there's also fermented milk vodka. If you're visiting Mongolia, that's a popular drink. And they drink it warm uh, right after the fermentation process is complete. They warm it up and you drink your fermented milk. It's made out of cow's milk or goat's milk. That wouldn't be so bad. I'm not going to mention the seagull wine. Uh, because I am forbidden from bringing that up. And also, if you happen to be in Denmark, there's uh, Clivet Poo Beer. According to the article, uh, Lowak Coffee, which is made from beans eaten, digested, and pooed out by an Indonesian cat, uh, has been considered a delicacy and a really good taste in coffee. So, and I love cats, but I I don't think so. And, and so, it's only a matter of time now that somebody had decided to put this in beer. And the article goes on to say that they go out of their way to source the poo responsibly, so you can drink it with a clear conscience. Well, now that you've whetted their appetite, haha. Where can people find this article in case they want to? Uh, the Independent UK and. 
there's one more that I'm not permitted to bring up. No, and that is not, do not the, the dung smoked whale testicle beer. Uh, very much popular in Iceland. And apparently they can't keep it on the shelves. I'm not sure that's whether because people are protesting or they just like so it who, so much. So who wrote this article in the Independent? Ju- Julia Bailey. And um, she has obviously got lives a very interesting life. Well, let's go on to IP in the news. So this is really, really good news. China has been working for 12 years to get this legislation passed. They passed it in October. It's taking effect in June. And it's going to strengthen intellectual property protections for people from around the world in China. Right. And I guess as an intellectual property person, we have to uh, applaud China for taking steps to improve the laws. Among things are they're going to be making things that improve the process for getting the applications through the Chinese patent office. The big one is that they're hopefully going to improve enforcement of patents and trademarks. They actually have a patent administration enforcement department, which is supposed to add extra oomph to protections there. And also damages for infringements are also going up. So before the damages for violating IP in China were pretty low, now they're going even higher. And in fact, if the infringement is intentional or willful, you can get five times up to the damage award. So they are trying to put some teeth into their laws. Also, there's a new patent challenge process, which is similar to what is going on in the U.S. So all in all, the outlook for Chinese and, IP seems to be improving. And Richard actually has a number of Gearhart Law clients who file in the U.S. and then file in China. But now I am so excited to talk to Ola. Me too. So as mentioned earlier, Ola is the owner of Soundtrack, and he's also created a company with co-founders that was eventually sold to Apple Music. And And really, I think that's all the introduction he needs. So Ola, welcome to the show. So good to have you with us. All the way from Sweden. And do they have any strange meat alcoholic drinks in Sweden? (laughs) Well, you just named the beer from Iceland. That's pretty close to us. And then uh, obviously, obviously Denmark is just down there in the south. So that's close enough for me uh, in terms of those products. So I imagine that you started your music company beats and then you just sold it to apple the next day without any trouble right that's usually how it goes in the music industry it's very simple and goes very fast (laughs) (laughs) so so what were some of the real challenges for you well i mean um it's actually my fourth startup in the music industry so I perceive myself as somewhat a a senior citizen in this industry, the music streaming business. Jokes aside, I've been doing it for more than 10 years. So by no means does every kind of effort or company lead to uh, a very successful exit, obviously. I usually say nine of 10 days are really, really bad. And then the 10th day, things work out. So I think just in general, uh, I focus on this industry because it's a very interesting macro in terms of the market is changing. Obviously, I don't know if you remember 10 years ago, we were buying CDs or we were actually buying tapes or before that records. Some people, younger people don't remember that. And this whole industry basically changed right in front of us in terms of how music is being produced, how music is being distributed, and how music is being consumed all at the same time. And I saw that happening more than 10 years ago and decided to move away from a previous career into the music industry based on the notion that I think a lot of things would change and that would provide a lot of opportunity. So I started from an intellectual exercise of entering a market based on market opportunity. And then obviously I had the privilege to do that work with my passion, which is music. And that was based on obviously having somewhat of a successful previous career, being able to fund kind of the exercise of working with my passion music. And five companies later, I had some successes and some failures as well, but it's not easy for sure. Ola, let me ask you, you say that the music business isn't easy. What are some of the differences between working in the music business as opposed to other kinds of industries? I would say starting any type of company, looking at my friends here on the show is super, super hard. I mean... You you sometimes hear about the people who succeed, but you don't hear about the hundreds of thousands or millions who don't succeed. So just the notion of starting a company, trying to make it on your own is extremely challenging, stating the obvious, yes. But then the difference is perhaps with the music industry versus some other industries is that it's a fairly conservative industry. 
It is a industry that is more or less controlled by the owners of the IP, meaning the music in this instance, or the rights of, for example, the songwriting. And given that the ownership of the actual art is so fragmented and so complex, when you're trying to distribute that art to an end consumer or a business, as I'm trying to do right now, you need to deal with the thousands of people that own the IP. Right. And you need to get those people to agree on a way of distributing their beautiful art. And you need to have those people agree on a fair compensation for distributing that art. And those people are not always rational. Those people are not always business minded. There's a lot of crazy people and great people in the music industry. So a fair amount of dysfunctionality in there. Well, I think Kenya probably has a lot to say about this. Kenya, what do you think? I was inviting him in here. Yeah. I was inviting her in here. Yeah. I've met some of those folks. Um, oh, yes. Creatives are hard to work with sometimes. You know, I just had a quick question for you, Ola. I mean, obviously, Dr. Dre played a big part in all this as well. What was it like to work with him and collaborate on this project? Amazing. I mean, so many brilliant people that you meet through the years and Crazy people, brilliant people, not so brilliant people that are even more crazy. But in in the instance of him, he's an extremely smart uh, entrepreneur. Obviously, his music career speaks for itself and his ability to own his publishing and acquire publishing speaks for his business mindset. And then obviously taking the move from the, the artist and kind of music creation part of doing business to becoming a businessman and creating a hardware company with Beats by Dre just at the point when the music industry was being completely bombarded by file sharing, you know, just speaks for the timing that he has when to move on. So extremely expiring. So you said you had other companies before this, but this is your passion. So what kind of other companies did you have? Kind of the interesting part of my life is, is, is if there is any, the last 12 years was post me taking the decision to uh, go for it in the music industry and kind of go for the music streaming. So within the context of music startups, I've had uh, a company that built hardware in the music industry, distributing hardware worldwide. I've had a online distribution platform for more radio like product, a little bit like where you guys are right now, where you're broadcasting. And, and then I've had a music service, obviously with beats, uh, which is a consumer-facing uh, music service competing with Spotify, my, my Swedish friends across the street here. And, and then now I have a streaming service for businesses. So helping businesses play the right music in their business in order to drive their business. So that's kind of within the music industry I've been doing. Before that, I was starting companies in completely different other industries. Ola, what advice would you have to an artist who is trying to get known? Is there anything that you could share about that topic? The interesting thing about the music industry is that you get the ability to help Uh, artists and and creators actually uh, try to make a living, which is extremely hard if you're an artist nowadays. It's always been hard, but now you read about it more because there's just more people aspiring to become artists today. People don't think it because it's much easier to distribute. Uh, Back in the days, you would need a record contract to even, you know, contemplate distributing your art. Now you can basically get a PC or a computer, produce something, upload it onto a distribution platform and then go for it, right? So there's so much more buzz out there, so many more artists, which makes it way more complex for the artists aspiring because there are more artists out there. Previously, you would get a record contract and when that record contract was signed, the label in question would somehow vouch for the opportunity it would invest in you. Nowadays, you basically have to do everything yourself. You have to create the art produce the art, distribute the art, market the art, and kind of figure out technology at the same time. So trying to kind of give, you know, steady advice to anyone how to kind of make it in the industry, it it all comes back to the art, right? So I think the first thing I would like to say, you can't just create random music and think that you're going to break through. You have to be completely focused on the music that you produce and the quality of that music. That's stating the obvious, but sometimes, believe it or not, people tend to forget that little thing about production quality or actually being a good musician. I mean, we're in such a strange time now. You really do have to promote yourself using digital means because nobody can meet in person right now. What advice do you give people 
that are really trying to build a company right now? It's been a strange year, right? Everyone's kind of still trying to figure out what what just happened. And I think all of us who are doing small companies have changed so much on how we work. We're not meeting anymore. We're you know, working from home, some industries like actually right now, the company that I'm running soundtrack, our customers are the, the, the restaurants, the bars, the retail stores that shut down. So I've had a very interesting year in terms of challenge. <laughs> uh, uh, but we, we made it through, we have a company that's we're live in 74 markets. So we were able to kind of move in between markets and, and move our efforts in between where it was open and closed, but very challenging. I have checked out Soundtrack's website and it looks like a really great service because yeah. first of all, the rates are extremely reasonable. Number two, it's easy to pick the kinds of music you just sign up through an app. It offers a wide variety of music. So I think there's a lot of establishments that will be taking advantage of that in the future once things normalize a well, little you, bit. You don't realize how you kind of miss that. It's one of those things that's gone right now that you don't even really think about. And then I'll go to the grocery store sometimes. They're always playing music there, right? The whole idea with this was the right music at the right place at the right time just really augments the experience, creates this. We all know when we've been to a place where the music is great. So there's a whole science behind that. And what I've done is taken the streaming revolution that we've all seen in the consumer market, and I've applied that to the business market. It's it's basically that simple <laughs> in terms of ideas. So trying to answer your question, what do you do as an entrepreneur trying to drive kind of your company or your brand in these challenging times? And it goes kind of back to the same response that I had to being an artist. It's back to the idea and kind of the business uh, fundamentals when you created your business idea. That's obviously a good starting point. And if it's an interesting story to tell, that obviously creates uh, an opportunity to spread that message. But then again, what I always say to aspiring entrepreneurs or talking about my experiences is that ideas are great, but 99%, it's all about execution and ex executing on the idea. So I would say this year was obviously even more than other years, very much about executing in very challenging times. And, and business is a lot about executing and business is a lot about standing through the days that hit you in the face when you wake up. And my statement of nine out of 10 days, that's pretty much entrepreneurship in a nutshell. I don't know if the others would agree, but that's my experience. It's extremely challenging. You have to stand up to the challenges and not give up. So perseverance, I would say, is the core component when you're building a company. I would say a big motivator for me is fear of being broke. That's a good motivator. I feel like crud today, but if I don't go out there and do it, the whole thing's going to fall apart and I'm going to be out on the street. So... <laughs> Right. Maybe but, another way of putting that is, um, and, and I totally agree. I mean, it's some people are so kind of romantic about entrepreneurship. It's pretty hardcore. It's pretty far from romantic. And, and I mean, what worries me the most is not being able to pay my team salaries and not being right. able to kind of support the people that have trusted in our idea and kind of joined together and taken risk with me. And, and that's probably the worst thing. I'm going to be fine. I can go flip burgers or do something else and, and survive, but it's back to the people that work for you and that bet on you and investors as well, not letting investors down that have also believed in you. That, that's the pressure that you need to live by. And then back to, I really liked your statement and it's back to believing both intellectually and emotionally in the initial idea that you put in place. And if, if you don't believe in that idea still, then you're in trouble because you need to have that belief, uh, that conviction to hold on to when when you when you meet those tough days. Ola, we have to take a break right now. Passage to Profit will be right back after this message. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, 
Contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Our special guest, Ola Sars from Soundtrack. Now we have Kenya Gibson from iHeart, who's going to be talking about Power Move. Welcome, Kenya. Good to see you again. Likewise. So we're going to be talking about Little Wayne uh, and his recent purchase of his master's. So he reportedly sold his master's to Universal Music Group as part of a deal valued in excess of $100 million. You know, this nine-figure price tag was confirmed by his manager. And I got to tell you, you know, a lot of artists do not have the opportunity to ever own the masters, right? You have the rights to your music, but it's something, ownership is something very different. And we have Ola here today. So I thought this would be a good conversation piece. Um, Ola, how do you feel or do you feel it's important for artists to be able to have the rights and own their music? How important is that? Well, you need to be fair uh, to the labels as well at this instance, right? I think it is a power move, by the way. I think it's one of the coolest moves in a very long while. I mean, we've all been listening to Kanye West talk about this. And when you are an artist and you sign with a label, they invest in you and they invest in you to build you as a brand and as an artist, but they keep the master right because they acquired the right to record you. So there's nothing funny going on with labels actually owning the rights to an artist's music. That was the deal initially, and they paid up for it. But there's no reason not to try to buy it back if you think it's worth more than moving forward, owning it yourself. And not a lot of artists have got to that point or have the opportunity to do it, but now he did it. And I think a lot of artists are going to follow his power. What kind of advantages does the artist have then when they own all of the rights to their music? Owning IP is all about how much money you can spend on that IP, right? And that goes for all types of IP. For music, it's if I own the music, then it's about how much money I can generate based on that IP ownership. And if you think you can do a better job with that IP, the music, get more listeners, uh, sell it to more film productions, get it on Spotify more aggressively, get it on Apple Music more aggressively. You think you can do a better job than the label? Then it's worth more for you. And maybe if you are the actual artist, you have a better leverage because you can put your actual name behind the music. So that would give it a better uh, opportunity to grow. So I think that's the thinking from artists when they want to buy back their master rights, they think they can do a better job than the label is doing with the music right now. Didn't Michael Jackson buy all of the Beatles rights at one point? Did he honestly think he would be able to do a better job of marketing it than I guess probably Apple Records at the time? Or was that just a sentimental move on his part? There's some very interesting things going on in the music industry right now in terms of acquiring and selling master rights. And I'm not going to give you the whole kind of technical detail, but the thing is that it once again, the music industry is not that sophisticated. It hasn't been that sophisticated. It's been very old school, done in one way, no really creative efforts. But now the market is opening up in terms of investors actually going in and buying master rights. So there's a lot of master rights changing ownership right now in between maybe the artist buys it, like in this case, or an actual investor buys the rights from a label. And then they think that they can do a much better job with that catalog that they bought than the label can. So it's a much more open market, a much more interesting space. And you see songwriters selling their their rights right now. Uh, Very prominent old school songwriters bringing in hundreds of millions of selling the rights of their music. It sounds like the music business and the entertainment industry is constantly evolving and there's always something interesting going on. So Kenya, thanks for bringing this up and we wish little Wayne all the money in the world for his rights. So So thank you, Kenya. Next is our very own Elizabeth Gearhart, who's been entrepreneuring away on her project Fireside. So what's new with Fireside, Elizabeth? Well, For those who have never heard of Fireside, it's a directory. So the website is fireside.directory. 
and the YouTube channel is Fireside Directory. And my vision for Fireside is to have it be the Wikipedia of small business by video. So I am interviewing small business owners about their businesses and putting those interviews on my YouTube channel and on a website. I'm building, I'm going to start marketing hopefully soon when I get enough people on the site and I need to work on my website right now. It's me and one other kind of person doing it, but I find I have a kind of person. Well, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's me and a person kind of doing it. Okay. Sorry, She can help me interview once, once a week, but I'm finding that I have a lot of little sales reps because people find out about it and they tell other people. So I am getting people coming and doing interviews with me and my interviews are a little different. I really make it all about the person in their business and not really about anything else. But I obviously cannot do the millions of interviews it would take. So I am looking at partnering now with videographers or people who are doing small videos with people and seeing if we can do some sort of partnership where they do the videos for me. And I just spoke to somebody yesterday who knows somebody that might be interested in that. So that's how I plan to scale this project. And it's really a great tool, especially if you're a consumer and say you're looking for an attorney, you can watch videos of the attorney before you contact them. And instead of having to call three different attorneys to see which ones you like, uh, you can get a sense of how they communicate, their persona, all sorts of information that you wouldn't necessarily get on a phone call. And you can pick your two or three best and then call the ones that you think would be the best fit. So it really does save business people time by being more efficient in how they go about selecting professionals. Well, and the other piece of it too. I was initially getting people that didn't have videos. Everybody was uncomfortable on video before COVID. So actually I'm doing them on Zoom now and COVID actually helped this effort, believe it or not. But anyway, I was getting people that hadn't really done videos or weren't comfortable on video. And everybody's saying, oh, you need a video. You need a video. You need a video. And it's like, okay, well, maybe I can put it on my website, but then what do I do with it? And so I have a website and a YouTube channel that I'm going to be marketing heavily and putting on my LinkedIn. So there's a whole marketing effort behind this as well. Right now, everything's free because I'm still building, but you do have a verified platform where your video can live. So fireside.directory. And the YouTube channel is Fireside Directory. And I love how fascinating people in their businesses are and how you could have two business coaches, but it seems like they have two totally different businesses, even though they're trying to get the same end result. It's amazing. I love it. So go to the directory and check it out. And maybe you'll be on Fireside soon. Yeah, so. everybody's welcome to contact me and do a video if they want. I have consumer products too, which are fun because the people demonstrate the product as they talk about it. Speaking oh, of presenters. Don't go away. We have Tax File and we have Yogi Fitness Mat coming up. And you do want to hear about these new products. So we'll be right back after this message. You are listening to Passage to Profit, the inventor show with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart on WOR 710, the voice of New York. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearhart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearhart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit GEAR R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Now we are to a fun part of our show where we have people presenting their companies. And our first presenter, I just have to say, as a small business, how do you get your accounting done and not pay an arm and a leg? How does it work? Maybe just an arm. So Ricky Lavinia has just a solution for you. Welcome, Ricky. Definitely overpaying to get accounting work done is one of the multiple problems you encounter in the accounting industry and one that we kind of set out to solve five years ago. Just as a quick background, I'm a CPA, so I have some inside knowledge in terms of uh, the pain points from the other side of the fence as far as this really old and antiquated industry that is accounting. Uh, you know, when you think about creativity and earlier in the show, we were listening to Ola, you think artists and 
musicians and all these things that, you know, these industries that we're all exposed to on a daily basis. But when you're dealing with accounting and taxes, it's, it's kind of like negatively connotated. It's kind of something that people put off, but you need to do, uh, you know, kind of like brushing your teeth or something, right? So I was in the industry for a better part of a decade before I jumped ship to start tax file five years ago. And the whole point of tax file was to do what no one else has done in the industry, which was to think about servicing small businesses and individuals better from a virtual perspective. And the key to any professional service, it's the workforce, right? So here at tax file, we have 3000 on-demand CPAs and EAs, similar to like Uber drivers, right? It's the largest network of CPAs in the world available on demand, even larger than turbo taxes. And uh, we make them available to you, the end user uh, via our app called TaxFile in the App Store or a Google Play Store to download and request whatever it may be, whether it's a simple tax return or a very complex one. So what makes you stand out, as you mentioned, H&R Block, from these other places? What makes you different? Are your people more vetted? Is it less expensive? We're definitely less expensive than going to a CPA firm, a traditional CPA brick and mortar, right? And we kind of have that inflection point of service via you know new age technology. It was very important to us to build a very user-friendly app with graphic designers. And when we launched this in 2016, Apple, which I guess is a heavy theme in this show, uh, their editors ranked us, you know, best new app on the app store. We've been consistently ranked in, as the top tax time app by their editors, um, you know, over the years. So we wanted to take a new approach. We didn't want this to be your plain Jane vanilla tax app. Uh, we want it to be attractive, something that people can interact with, get high quality service and for a great price. And that's our thesis that we want to deliver to our users. It's higher quality service. Like you mentioned, it, you know, they're all licensed CPAs or IRS enrolled agents where on, on, on Turbo or on H&R Block, you're probably not going to get someone that's licensed. Uh, you know, they do have some licensed workers, but it's not consistent, right? These are thoroughly vetted, very reputable CPAs and IRS enrolled agents available because via the power of the gig economy, very competitive and well below market rates. Our daughter did her own taxes and we know that she missed some deductions that she could have taken. So Richard was telling her, go to H&R Block, but I think I'm going to send her to tax file. Having been to your website, I saw the choices. It seems pretty clear that you have different services based on the type of tax return you're filing, whether you're itemizing deductions, whether you're not whether you're a small business or you're not. Could you elaborate a little bit on the different types of categories that one of our listeners might select so that they pick the right service? To be honest, it doesn't really matter all that much. You could select the wrong service and we'll just adjust it in the middle of the job, right? Uh, the whole point of the app is, is really for someone to do your taxes for you. What I find interesting is you almost anticipated the pandemic, right? Because you had this app where people could do everything electronically. And we have an account that does the taxes, but when you get your end of the year forms. Can you just take a picture with your phone and send them? I mean, do you actually have to mail anything anymore? No, you don't have to mail anything. That's why we've hired engineers from Google, Magically, Ultima Software from the top, you know, Amazon from the top companies to put this together and why we invested so much. You know, it's, it's definitely been a roadmap for us uh, where we spent the majority of the capital that we've raised in the early years, you know, we're five years now into this, into the product itself. This is essentially our growth year. This is, this is our, our big, you know, kind of scalable year and uh, uh, moving forward. So yeah, it's modernized. You take a photo with your phone, you know, there's a web app as well, where you can drag and drop different documents. You can link them if you've had prior jobs, you know, your, your prior jobs just automatically roll forward. So we wanted to have those network effects so that when you come back the next year, cause you have to file your taxes every year, right? Uh, it's not just one and done and you don't have to gear up. Uh, it's all there for you. Even if you have a different connect with a different CPA, everything transfers, including your, your you know, your chat history and, and your documents that are relevant for the subsequent year. So do you feel like then you hit an inflection point and that your company is going to be successful? Or did you find that point a couple of years ago? How did you know when you've made it? There's definitely milestones, right? Year one, like we said, getting featured, that was great kind of reinforcing the vision. It's very difficult as an entrepreneur. There's plenty of days that you feel that everything's going to burn down. And there's other days that you feel like you're going to be a billionaire. That is exactly kind of when you're flying through the bumpiness of it. If you hit the IPO day, um, then obviously you've gotten to a point where your, your business is stable, hopefully, <laughs> right? So then at least you can take a week of vacation or something and go down and visit Ricky in Miami. But it's as what Ricky says, it, it just keeps going. And that's the nature of, of joining this game. You're, you don't join it to exit. I don't think a lot of people do. You join it because you're crazy. And 
and you join it because you even want to excel, you want to go beyond that point. And when you IPO, you want to be the most valuable company in the world. That's how the drive goes. I was just going to say that, you know, I admire what you're doing because taxes kind of scare a lot of people. And I've never been one to try to do my own taxes. I've always just gone to someone, especially when you start having deductions and trying to write everything off. I just was curious if you could describe a little bit more about the user experience, because I know you said that there's an app. But I also, you said there is some interaction with an actual person. So what is that experience like? Just like Uber, instead of ordering a car, you're ordering someone to do your taxes for you. So you download the app, you're gonna answer some questions so we know what type of tax return we need to work on, right? Is it a small business? It's very simple. It's not like you have to go through a turbo tax. It's gonna take about 90 seconds to complete. Um, we have this proprietary algorithm that we've been working on for many, many years because everyone's situation, you know, there's 160 million taxpayers in the United States. Everyone has a different tax uh, situation. Our algorithm will pick and choose uh, what questions to ask you to, so we could get the best idea of what we need to do for you and, and match you up with someone that has worked on and has a history on uh, the profile uh, of your tax needs or accounting needs, okay? Uh, so you download it, answer the questions, put your credit card on file like you do with Uber or with Postmates, same thing. And almost instantly you'll be connected with a pro. Right now, you know, we have obviously the, the new year has started. It's, you know, technically it's in tax season, although the IRS hasn't opened up, we have plenty of people creating jobs and you're connected in 30 seconds to a CPA right now. And you start chatting, uh, back and forth, exchanging documents. They'll give you maybe a list of documents to say, hey, just upload these. If I have questions, I'll reach out. And that's about it. They do they do the work for you. <laughs> it's very cool. How many users have you had on the app so far? Over the past five years? Yeah, a couple hundred thousand. We're not just an app uh, servicing and clients. Uh, we do a ton of outsourced work from your CPA firm. So your CPA may not be on it picking up work, but they may be sending the work to us uh, to kind of help them get it done uh, during the busy season. So you have to adapt your product to the market and you start off with a vision, but depending on that product market fit, it could lead you in, in, in different directions that you may have not thought you're going to be in day one. Ricky, do you think that the traditional brick and mortar tax preparation places will become extinct at some point? I don't think extinct. Definitely not because we're buying a few of them. <laughs> uh, I just think that the, the, the work that's going to be done in person is going to change. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing across the board. Uh, tax practices, like like the brick and mortar ones that you guys go to, you know, that CPA that you've had it for 20 years, uh, they're becoming less and less interested in doing 1040 work and doing, we call it compliance work in the industry, right? So the stuff that's commoditizable, tax returns, bookkeeping, things like that. That's going to move to the cloud. And with COVID, it's been really accelerated. So if you have a, a book of business that's just 1040 work, you're probably looking to get out of that business because what you're thought of more now as a CPA and, and what you want to be thought of is uh, more like a wealth manager, financial advisor role, right? There's a lot more stuff, M&As, you know, there's a lot more nuance there that's, that your time is more valuable for than just doing compliance work, uh, which, which we're seeing shift out of the brick and mortar. So I think that they're not going to go extinct. Uh, you know, that trust factor, whether it's face-to-face, -face, uh, you know, in person or via Zoom is, you know, an another question. But I think it, it, the industry is transforming uh, to, to be more of a white glove, uh, higher value service than a place that you go to to get your basic, you know, tax work or, or accounting work done. This has been really interesting. And your insights on to where the tax preparation business is going are great. Unfortunately, we're coming to the end of the segment. Uh, how can our audience get in touch with you? Taxfile.com, T-A-X-F-Y-L-E. And you can download it on the App Store or the Google Play Store. Uh, we'll also put together a, a coupon for everyone listening, uh, Profit20, to get $20 off. Sounds great. Passage to Profit, the Inventor Show on WOR710 with Richard Elizabeth Gearhart and our special guest, Ola Sars. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley's the Inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, eVine Live and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you wanna know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, Contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. 
Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Our special guest, Ola Sars. Our podcast will be out tomorrow. And check out our YouTube channel, Passage to Profit Show on YouTube. If you want to see what everybody looks like and what the things we've been talking about look like, we always get such attractive people on the show. <laughs> so check us out on YouTube. But now we are on to Joanne Roos with Yogi with an I fitness mat. And she sent me one. And I tried it out this morning. I got it yesterday and tried it this morning. And there are so many advantages to this mat over your conventional mat, but I'm going to let Joanne tell you about them. So welcome, Joanne. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my name is Joanne and I'm the owner and founder of Yogi Fitness Mat. Um, The concept is it's a grab and go yoga or workout mat. The biggest feature is that it has sewn on carrying straps, which can be removed. So it's a mat that kind of rolls up into itself. It has a zipper open enclosure, so it's compact. And then it has tabs on it so that you can attach a carrying strap. And then you can just put it around your shoulder, like a purse or a messenger bag. So if you're on the subway, if you're riding the bike, if you're walking on the beach, if you're hiking um, or whatever it is that you do your fitness routine, it's uh, it offers you a hands-free advantage. And it's very light. The material is actually eco-friendly and it is a lighter mat um, so that it doesn't put any strain on your back, you know, makes it easier for carrying. That's really great. And I I took a look at it this morning. I didn't use it, but Elizabeth did. And the hardware and everything seems to be top notch. It seems to be made out of quality materials. Lots of times when you buy these kinds of things, they're not always well-made, but the mat is really well-made. What I really liked about it too, is that the zipper is hardcore. And and Joanne and I spoke about this before the show. So can you talk a little bit, because most of the time on a lot of things, the zippers are flimsy and they break and you can't get them to work right, but Mm -hmm. not here. Right, exactly. Yeah. I wanted something that was a good quality product because, you know, having done yoga, I've been through so many different mats, so many different bags and things. And uh, um, so frustrating, you know, you spend all this time and all this money and you get the product and it only works for so long. But um, so the zipper is actually, it's a heavy duty 24 inch zipper, which is used for um, tents and outdoor equipment. And the reason why I wanted that is because it allows for like a quick zipping and unzipping the tab is really big so you can just kind of grab it haphazardly even when you know when you're after the workout and and you're done you just want to go you know just kind of grab it and it it zips right up right and it's really easy to roll it back up into the right spot and zip it up but i know kenya our fitness buff has something to say about this yeah i just was curious like what you know besides the zipper and all these other things what are some of the benefits and the differences from other mats that are on the market because i got a garage full of mats. (laughs) (laughs) right yeah i hear you i hear you me as well um and so what i love about my mat is a the, the material it's a thinner mat it's a five millimeter it's also environmentally friendly and it coheres with california regulations. Also, I love that it is easy to transport and it rolls up in itself. Um, It offers me with having the strap, it offers me having hands free, you know, so the idea from the mat came because I was heavy into yoga and I had uh, my daughter who was an infant at the time and I'm trying to rush out the door. And so I'm handing her off to the sitter. I'm trying to find my keys and my water bottle and I'm like juggling everything. And I'm like, you know, if I could just have things easier, that would be great. So um, for me, the biggest feature is having the straps that just hook right onto it. And then it's with a lobster claw. So you can just unhook it when you get to your class, lay it down next to you. The straps are also measured out so that they can be used as a stretching strap as well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I actually have two versions. This here that I'm talking about is the Express. So this is just the mat um, with the strap. However, the original Yogi mat comes with a towel. It has a, a wallet, phone holder, key ring, and a water bottle that all attaches to the mat. 
And so that's really the grab and go, you know, and you could skip the locker room and just step right into class with your mat. Like everything you need is right Mm -hmm. there. It really is differentiated, I think, from a lot of other yoga mats. There's a couple of things I really like, numerous things I really like about it. I like that it zips up. So you just roll it up and zip it because wrestling with the mat is not easy for challenge people like me. Anyway, um, that's one thing. But um, and then that you can hook everything onto it. Because I was actually thinking that I hadn't seen that other one on your site. But I was thinking, you know, you could hook one of those little wristlet bags on here, all that stuff. But the other, and I know this is not the purpose for which it was made, but it is something I'm going to use it for. So we are going to go to Pittsburgh and I am going to use it to put over the chair that I sit in, in the hotel room, because it'll keep the, whatever germs are on that chair off of me. The COVID (laughs) chair. So uh, it just has so many advantages. And I'm just wondering, how are you marketing it? Are you, I know your website is beautiful and you said you're on Amazon. Are you using Facebook and Instagram? Yes. Facebook and Instagram. That's really where I I've been doing most of my advertising and that's where I've been getting uh, most of my sales. And how have sales been? Uh, You know, they've been good. Um, In the beginning of COVID, COVID um, kind of took a, a little bit of a turn because people weren't going to the yoga studios. But once the weather got warmer and people were going out and they're walking more, sales really went up again. And it's interesting. Um, my neighbor, coincidentally, who I saw who purchased one, I didn't even know it was my neighbor. I saw her walking on one of the trails by my house. And I'm like, oh my God, that's she's the one who just bought that mat. So I see her walking and she's got her hands free. She's holding on to her son's hand. I was like, that's great. That's yeah, that's hard. a real buzz when you see your, your product actually out there <laughs> yeah, being <absolutely>. chosen <laughs> by somebody. So that that right. must be quite a thrill. Even if you just set it up in your house, it's like you're focusing your intent, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm setting this out to exercise. And if you see it in the corner of your bedroom, it's like, I need to exercise. So anyway, another good reason to have one. But uh, thank you for this so much. I am definitely going to be using it if I can keep it away from my daughter. (laughs) So can you please spell your website for us, Joanne? Sure. So it's yogifitnessmat.com. So it's Y-O-G-I fitness, F-I-T-N-E-S-S-M-A-T.com. Right. Excellent. So you can find it on Amazon or from the website. So you are listening to Passage to Profit, the Inventor Show on WOR 710, the voice of New York with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our special guest, Ola Sars. And if you've missed it, look for our podcast or go to our YouTube channel. We'll be right back. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A w.com together we can change the world this ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson now more with richard and elizabeth passage to profit well that has been an incredible show i have learned so much and i'm motivated to go out and start exercising i'm going to listen to more music i am excited to work on my business and when i need an accountant i know where i'm going (laughs) (laughs) gotta get a gig economy accountant from somebody that knows out of that them, right? So, I think that's an excellent idea. So who did we have on the show? We had Ola Sars, who is in the music business and has just done amazing things with his time there. But his current company, SoundtrackYourBrand.com, is really awesome. It helps you pick music to kind of play in the background. So you don't know how important that is until it's gone. And everybody uses it because everybody needs to. So you can find him there. And then we had our power move with Kenya Gibson, Gibson with a P. And she talked about- Little Wayne. Uh, yeah. Little Wayne and- Buying back all the stuff he created. Again, in the music industry. So too bad I can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Kenya is our iHeart liaison, and she has helped us a lot with advertising on iHeart and with this show. And you can reach her at Kenya Gibson with a P at iHeartMedia.com if you want to do anything with radio maybe try to get on some of the other shows or whatever. And their digital advertising services are awesome. So we've been using them for a long time and they really help increase the traffic. So right. kudos to iHeart for that. Right. And I talked a little bit about Fireside and I almost forgot Richard, owner of Gearheart Law, G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com can help you with patents, trademarks, copyrights, litigation, contracts, all sorts of stuff. So you can find him on the web. And then we had Ricky Lavinia with tax file. That's T-A-X-F-Y-L-E.com. For individuals, small businesses, if you want a vetted person in the gig economy, a CPA to help you with your accounting, your taxes, anything, this is really out of the box. You can do most of it from your phone. High quality uh, tax services at reasonable prices. Who could ask for more? By a CPA who used to work at Price Waterhouse is the owner. So there you go. And then we're getting into the workout stuff. So this is going to be airing in February, but it's January now. We're all thinking about our resolutions, <laughs> our New Year's resolutions. What, this, what were my resolutions again? <laughs> more push-ups. Push so, we had Joanne Roos with Yogi, Y-O-G-I, fitnessmat.com. And she has made up a new yoga mat that is unlike any other mat out there. So when you're on Amazon cruising through the yoga mats, you look for Yogi, Y-O-G-I, fitnessmat.com, and you will see all the advantages of her mat. Yeah, make your life just a little bit more organized and easier to get out the door and do your yoga. Exactly. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. So, Ola, before we sign off, do you have any final words for our audience? Thanks for having me. I think it's just amazing to hear about um, entrepreneurship in general, big and small companies. But I think one thing that always comes back is it's about people in at the fancy VCs in San Francisco talk about something they call a job to be done. And they talk about a job to be done as like solving a real problem. When you're creating a business, it's about not making up the problem because you feel like doing, you know, building an app or something. But all of these examples that we heard today is actually they're solving real problems and people have addressed a real problem with a product or a service. And it's very refreshing to listen to that. I couldn't agree more. Kenya? Yeah, I'd like to use my last thought as just to share an idea with Joanne. So uh, you have these fitness pieces of equipment or apparatuses. And one of the recommendations I would make uh, is to partner with some fitness content creators. Like for example, you have the folks that use like the Calm app, you have people, trainers who were doing, you know, fitness challenges with planking and push-ups and getting product to maybe some of these folks. And then also just trying to connect with them. They have a whole database of people that they're already marketing to in that space that they may be able to introduce your products to. So I just want to say partnerships are huge, especially in the fitness business. And there could be some great opportunities for you there. Ricky, I love what you're doing in the tax space. You're way ahead of the curve and you're probably very thankful that you got ahead of this pandemic for sure. And Ola, it was an honor and a pleasure sitting on this panel and having this discussion with you today. I know you're super brilliant. You've had the opportunity to work with brilliant people and it's very nice to connect with you. So thank you everybody for tuning in. And before we go, we'd like to thank our Passage Profit team, Kenya Gibson, of course, Alicia Morrissey, who's our program coordinator, Angela Wolf from Angela Wolf Video who's our video editor, and of course, Noah Fleischman, our producer at iHeart Studios. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and also check out our YouTube channel. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart for Passage to Profit on WOR 710, the voice of New York. <laughs>